All right, welcome to the Student Success Exchange podcast, a series of deep conversations about real student stories between a student affairs professional and the students he serves. I'm your host, David Ipyam, a student affairs professional and a leadership educator committed to assisting proactive students to level up. When I'm not working with couples to maximize their relationships through relationshipzen.ca or with professionals to elevate their game through change intelligence and with families to learn martial arts at Mind Over Matter Karate, I'm facilitating spaces with students who want to be high performers and game changers. The idea behind this interview style podcast is to learn from the experience of students who are striving and persevering through post-secondary education to better understand how they make sense of their journey and to identify the skills they use throughout the process. So before we jump into this episode, I just want to let students and those who support students know that I'll be creating an online course in summer 2019 in which I guide students through a unique self-reflective and experiential framework to clarify their personal philosophy, surround themselves with the confidence, mindfulness, and recovery strategies for high impact and performance, and avoid common pitfalls that can sabotage the student experience. So sign up for updates if you're interested at davidipyam.com forward slash student dash success. In this episode, episode four, our guest Austin shares his inspiring story growing up without his biological parents through challenging socioeconomic circumstances and becoming the first in his family to go to university. Austin's drive is inspiring and his story is raw. I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi Austin, thanks for joining us on the Student Success Exchange. Thanks for being here. No worries. I'm my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So, um, why don't you help us on uh, the, the audience know, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? So my name is Austin and I'm going into my fourth year in September. I'm in the French studies BA honor specialist program, and I'm also doing my B ed in French. So I'm in the concurrent education program and I've been at Glendon. So September will be four years. Right now, currently, I work as the first year experience ambassador with the Office of Student Affairs. So I run enrollment appointments for the incoming class and I connect with them on social media. I respond to student emails and I work on different tasks for the Office of Student Affairs. And I also work my part time year round job at the Toronto Public Library. So currently I'm working two jobs. All right. Very busy. Yeah. (laughs) So Austin, where are you local to? What would you say? Well, I'm local to so I live in Toronto. I was born and raised here. I was born in Scarborough, actually. And I'd like to point out I came from Malvern, so a low-income neighborhood in Scarborough. Um, and I grew I grew up there. My parents are from Guyana. And yeah, that's where I'm local to. Great. And if you were to share aspects of your history or identity, values, interests, or ambitions, uh, what, what, what could you say? Well, I guess I'll go into my personal history, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, so my story is kind of a complicated one. So we often are taught in schools and that you have, you know, mom and dad and brothers and sisters. That's the the norm that you're taught. But many people don't realize there exist so many different types of parents. There are some kids who don't have their parents. There are some kids who have same-sex parents. So it's not mom and dad all the time. And that was my case. So my mom was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. So ever since she had me, I haven't lived with her. And I have lived in foster care for a bit until my grandmother went to court and won the custody. And now she has custody over me. So it was complicated because my dad is back home and my mom has a mental illness. And it wasn't really talked about, you know, back in the day in 1997. 
now it's more talked about and she's lived from shelter to shelter and I I don't have a relationship with my mom because I don't know her. So I grew up with my aunt and my grandmother and I my father's not in my life. So for me, growing up in a household where we've gotten three eviction notices, at least that I can remember, my aunt used to, as a kid, she struggled to pay rent. So I used to have to go downstairs to the landlord and give the landlord the money and we would be short of rent and I would have to tell him a story about how my aunt is sick and in the hospital because we couldn't put together the monthly rent. Also, in high school, a couple times I've come home to no electricity, no hydro at all because they've cut off our hydro because my aunt didn't pay the bill. So I grew up in a household where like screaming and shouting was the norm. And I find a lot of people when they come from situations like me where they don't have their parents in their life, sometimes it becomes sometimes it becomes an excuse. And, you know, for me, I saw that as a way to do better for myself. I'm the first one in my family to actually go to university and pursue a post-secondary education. I saw all those struggles growing up with no electricity, with eviction notices, with arguments um, every weekend, with police showing up to my door. I've grown up with that and I've seen that, okay, I need to do better for myself. I want a future where I'm not like this. I want to raise my kids in a in a good household where these types of things don't exist. So I use that as motivation to do well. I, I pushed myself in high school to do really well and I graduated with a 92 average and I got a scholarship. So when I came to Glendon, my first year was free. I was part of the top scholars program and currently I'm on the Dean's Honor Roll. And I work, I've been working part-time for the library for four years now and I've been able to save up a lot of money to eventually move out and be on my own and be independent. But to me, growing up in a household where we had a lot of struggles, I didn't want that for myself. I want to do better. And that's why I'm pursuing a post-secondary education. And thank God for OSAP because that really helped me out, especially the free tuition thing for the low-income students. But I feel like there's often a stereotype with people that if you're from a low-income area that you're, you know, that you're not capable of doing well opposed to the students from nicer areas such as Leaside, for example, where we're closely located to. I find that's a myth. Everyone has potential to do well, but it's up to you if you want to create a better life for yourself. And that's what I did. Um, growing up, it was difficult because, you know, in, when you have Mother's Day and Father's Day in elementary school, you're making crafts for your mom, you're making crafts for your dad, but I didn't have anyone to make a craft for. And it was always weird because all my peers around me would question me, oh, who's your mom? And you know, everyone's moms and dads would come pick them up and then I was just there and then my grandma would come or my aunt would come and growing up we'd just lie and say, oh yeah, this is my mom and it was really my aunt. So that was hard growing up with that. And um, yeah, my aunt, she just, she works a part-time retail job. She can barely put together her rent. I currently live with her, but I pay the hydro bill. I pay for groceries. I help her out. So I find that when you're in Canada and you have opportunities to do better, take take advantage of those opportunities. And that's exactly what I did. So currently I'm in the Con Ed program because I love French. I'm really good at it, I, I think. Yes. <laughs> but people have told me. I, um, I'm doing the BA Honor Specialist and I currently run a French homework club. So I run a French homework club at the public library with Voila Learning. That's from October to May. I also do online French homework help. So I tutor kids online through our online platform at Voila Learning. I also, like I said, work part-time for the library. And yeah, these are some 
opportunities that I took advantage of to gain experience in my field and to do better for myself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Now, I'm curious, uh, I want to narrow in a bit about your student experience in relation yeah. to those identities. So how do you think those identities and others that you may not have shared yet, uh, how have they shaped your student experience so far? They've really worked wonders. I think when you reflect on a place that you've come from and you don't want to be in that place anymore, um, it really pushes you to see the value in student life. So it really pushes you to get involved. And that's what I did because I know um, employers at the end of the day, they don't, they're not just looking for a piece of paper that says French studies, BA honor specialist. They're looking for experiences and for skills. And um, growing up like in high school, I was very involved because I didn't want to go home at night. I was involved with drama production. I was an executive on the mentor council helping grade nines transition to high school. I was an executive of African Caribbean club working on um, projects there. I was president of French club. So I was very involved in high school and I saw the value in being involved. And that kind of pushed me to be involved in university as well. Mind you, it's difficult to be involved when you have a part-time job and you take a full-time course load and you commute. And I commute, I used to commute even further when I was living in Melbourne. It took me an hour and a half one way. So it is hard, but it comes down to balance. And you really see the value in the student life when you get involved. It's university, and like I tell my students at my enrollment appointments, university is not just going to class and going home. It's taking advantage of the opportunities that arise. And that's what I did. So for example, Piece by Piece is an on-campus organization that I was involved in. And what we did, I taught grade three, four French immersion. So the year that I did it was the first time Piece by Piece ever did French immersion classes. And I went into this grade three, four French immersion classroom, a TDSB elementary school. And I taught the students about bullying, conflict resolution, I statements. We did so many games and activities and I worked with a couple other volunteers. And that was valuable experience in my field as an educator. It was great to practice my French and to make connections. So that was one way I got involved. I also went to a couple of campus events. So I went to formal, I went to boat cruise and that's how I made some friends that I still keep in contact with and that I go for coffee with here and there. I also got involved with the mindfulness group. So another thing I'll talk about a bit later is mental health, super important. So mindfulness sessions, I went to that as well. Piece by piece, mindfulness, campus events, and now here I am working as a first year experience ambassador. So it, it, it's interesting that you bring up student involvement. It's a big area of interest for me, not only for my personal background, uh, but also my academic interests. Um, was there ever a moment where you thought, so you talked about student involvement being very advantageous as well, right? And as a way to be away from sometimes the tumultuous environment that you described. Um, was there ever like a drawback to the involvement? Yeah. So they actually asked me when I did Peace with Peace for the first time, they're like, oh, Austin, you should be executive for next year. You should be executive. And, and I wanted to do it, but I knew I couldn't. And what sucks is when you're super ambitious and you want to do a million things. You have to, and this is the same, the same spiel that I give my students in my enrollment appointments, you have to be realistic. So joining clubs, I always tell students, join one or two clubs. Don't join 10. It's not realistic. It's great to be super involved, but sometimes the thing is with being involved is that you end up forgetting that you have studies and it's... Is that it's what happened? Fun. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in high school, I was, I was burnt out. I got a stomach ulcer in grade 12. I was off for about a month because I was super sick. I'll be very graphic. 12 diarrheas a day is not fun. Mm. <laughs> um, so I was sick. 
I, I don't know, maybe it was a combination of stress. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't eating breakfast at all. I wasn't eating lunch. I'd have a granola bar for lunch. And then I would probably buy junk food in the evening. So I was not really feeding myself properly. I never went to the gym. I never exercised. I used to sleep for four hours every night and just run, go, go, go. I used to drink like, even last year, I used to drink five coffees a day. Wow. Yeah, it's bad. So the good thing is with student life, sometimes people can get carried away and forget about their other responsibilities. Including like the health. Including health. because health, it, And my guidance counselor in high school said, if you don't have health, you don't have anything. So, especially my significant other as a nurse, he's constantly telling me like, you need to take care of your health. He's like down my throat every day about like taking care of myself. So with student life, it's great, but sometimes you have to realize that you're a human being, your health comes first, your academics come first, and you cannot kill yourself to be involved with everything. So is there something you say to yourself or, so what, what, what internally in your mind shifted for you to, balance better if I if I can see that so I think what shifted in my mind was um just how I felt like awful because I literally was like sick to my stomach I was exhausted I was tired um I just felt burnt out I couldn't do it mm -hmm. and I just needed a breather and when that happened in grade 12 I took that lesson thankfully it was in high school and not in university but I took that lesson and when they asked me to be executive, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. And I did feel bad about it after because I really wanted to do it, but I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. I have a lot of personal commitments. And how did that feel, learning to say no and saying no? It, it felt good after because at the end of the year, and I, ref I always do this thing where I reflect in April, like, okay, how did my year go? I didn't regret it because I knew that that second year was super stressful with all, the, all my courses, my part-time job, my online homework help, my homework club, my commuting, I lived even further back then. So I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I'm a human being. I don't need to justify all my decisions to everyone. And that's the problem that I have is that I feel the need to explain every single detail of my life to everyone. And I'm like, you know what, whatever. I wasn't executive for one year. That's okay. I'm still living. I'm still breathing. I st still did well in my courses. It's just learning to say no. So what other strategies or coping or resources do you use um, when faced with all these pressures? So when faced with all these pressures, I definitely find talking to like a trusted adult in your life. Um, cause they're like older, you know, may have more experience and more knowledge. Also talking to your close friends. Um, I never talk to any of my family cause I'm not really close with them. Um, also I find counseling centers and, um, there's a lot of stigma saying like, oh, you shouldn't go to counseling. It's for people who are weak or whatever. Like, if you need someone to talk to, be proactive. I went to the counseling center in third year because I was going through a really rough time in September, October when I came out and there was just a mess. And like, there was a lot of, um, it was just a mess with my family. They first, my aunt was like, yeah, it's your life. Do whatever you want. And then a week later, she was like bashing me. And it was just a mess in, in third year. And I ended up going to the counseling center and I met with the counselor and we talk to every two weeks and I have no shame. I don't care. I'm telling you straight up honest. I'm doing me. I don't care if what people have to say in their judgments and their ne negativity. I don't need that around me. And that's maybe growing up in the household that I did. And I developed that thick skin as a kid and I've developed that skin where, you know, what? I have no shame. If I need to go see a counselor, if I need to go use that service, 
There is no shame at all in doing that. Your mental health and your physical health is super important. If you need to talk to someone, go make a go make an appointment with a guidance counselor. There is no shame. No one is judging you. It sounds like you've learned a lot from the, the both the struggles and the triumphs in life yeah. that you carry with you. Um, could you tell us a time when you've, maybe a story of when you've struggled and triumphed? Yeah, so that's a good one. So I struggled with a lot of anxiety in third year. So in October, November, and I tried Googling like, what what are all these issues? Is it seasonal depression? <laughs> is it like, um, is it depression? Is it this disorder? Is it that disorder? And I was like, because it, the feeling was a very heavy feeling over my head. I felt just heavy 25-8. When I woke up, I started feeling like crap. I couldn't even get out of my bed. Like I, I could not. I would say I'd get up at nine, but I would get up at 12 and I'd be super slow, unproductive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be myself. I wasn't getting things done. Even if I switched up my environment, I still felt upset. I felt really, really upset in this heaviness over my head. And what I did, I talked to like, um, some close people in my life. I went to the counseling. I did everything she said. I like some tips are like, um, action comes before motivation. So get up, and do something and then the motivation will come after that was one thing that the counselor told yeah. me um i also started trying to do things for myself so i got like a stress ball i went to the gym i was like okay i'm gonna do half an hour of the gym maybe this will help um i really just september sorry not september october november december was a super hard time in my life it was awful but come the new year I took all the tips that the counselor gave me. I took the tips that I've talked to important people in my life and I tried to use them as much as I can um, to get better. And I think by March, April, I feel better. I definitely do not feel in that place that I was last year. I feel a lot better. Wow. And, and, and just a broader question now from maybe your first day to now, in yeah. what ways have you changed or remained unchanged since you began your studies at Glendon? I think the way I've changed, I've developed a lot as a person. I feel like Glendon is so inclusive and no, I'm not just saying that to like, you know, I'm not being paid to say that, I'm being that honest. It's very inclusive of people of color, people of different communities. Um, it's just very inclusive. And I found that coming to Glendon, I know obviously my French is a lot better. Um, I've built connections. I've built connections with Office of Student Affairs, with Voila Learning with my profs, I've made friends and I've just grown to know a lot more about life. I've met people who have similar struggles to me and getting to know people and when they open up, it makes you feel like, okay, you're not alone. Other people are experiencing these things as well. So I find that being exposed to university, it's different because you meet people from all over the world. You have like international students, um, mature students, students coming out of high school. So it's nice to be able to connect with all these people and just get to know more of the world rather than being in that bubble of high school. Right. Um, now, a big question. How do you define, think about, or articulate student success from your perspective? So I define student success as student success as growing as a person. So student success may also be student failure. Hmm. I'm going to throw that at you. Student success is student failure. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Stu university will not be a walk in the park. I'm sorry. I'm being dead honest. It will not be a walk in the park. That's life. Um, I'm very straight up. I'm blunt. That's how I've... And coming back to your other question, how has Glendon changed or unchanged you? It 
has unchanged me. Um, I still remain the same. I still have that thick skin as I was in elementary school. Um, not like, you know, pointing out my middle finger and posting <laughs> pictures on Facebook because that was me as a kid. But I still main that, maintain that attitude where, you know, honestly, if they want to judge me because I'm dating another boy, if they want to judge me because I'm too tall, they want to judge me because they think learning French is not as good as learning math and science. Listen, you are a human being. You only have one life. Do you. Do you and create your successful experience. Do not let people step on you. I've had family members telling me, oh, well, maybe you should do a science degree. I'm doing what I'm passionate about. I'm getting involved. And I had um, family members tell me, oh, you'll burn out. You're not capable of being a teacher. Um, that's too much stress for you. You can't handle it. Don't tell people, don't let people tell you what to do. You do you and be confident and really love what you do. Explore your interests, chase after your passions. That's what I have to say. And I've always been like that. I don't let negativity, do not let any negativity bring you down. One of the student development theorists I'm following right now, yeah. Baxter Magolda, she, she studies the journey to self-authorship, which is really about developing your internal dialogue, yeah. relying less on the external uh, not ignoring the external, yeah. but, but really developing and being motivated by that internal dialogue, which is what you're yeah. talking about. Now, if I flip the question, you, 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 so you define student success as sort of like human development, personal development. Yeah. Um, so what should the goal of Gwendon or any university college be in terms of supporting that? Like how, um, what makes an institution good at facilitating that kind of student success? I think it's really just encouraging students to be themselves, being inclusive, not being fake not selling them this image that, oh, university is the best time of your life. You will be this, that. Just be dead honest, be straight up, be real. Mm -hmm. And that's how I am with my students. When I tell them, don't get involved in 10, 15 different clubs, join one or two, be realistic, manage your personal expectations, take care of your health. It's really just being honest and being real and definitely pushing and promoting social the social services that are available. I'm currently working with our peer mentor who works at the Accessibility and Wellbeing Center and together her and I are coming up with ideas of how to incorporate wellness into the the Glendon Facebook group. We're trying to incorporate how we're trying to incorporate wellness and mindfulness activities into our Lions Den kiosk. So definitely not forgetting about mental health not forgetting about identity. Everyone has a different identity. No human is the same. Everyone's different, but we need to be inclusive as, and as a school, I feel like Glendon is one of those schools that does a really good job of it. And especially all our services here, Office of Student Affairs, financial services, academic services, I've really gotten to know them one-on-one, -on -one, even before I started working here. And everyone I just find is super inclusive and super helpful. So we definitely need to encourage the message of Student success is being proactive. Mm. And that's one thing that I drill in my students' heads when they come to my enrollment appointments. Be proactive, ask for support when you need it, persist through challenge. Like I said, no shame in going to the Accessibility and Wellbeing Center. No shame in grabbing that accommodation form if you know you need an accommodation. Mm. It's about being inclusive and um, making goals, setting goals and having an action plan of how you're gonna create that successful experience and learning from your failure, failures. Like I said earlier, student success is student failure. One thing that I learned from grade 12, I was overcommitted, I was burnt out, I got sick. But I learned from that and in university, I didn't make the same mistake. Learning to say no if you have to sometimes, prioritizing your life, 
You know what I mean? It's kind of like your greatest failures can be like your greatest lessons. Exactly. So that breeds success. Exactly. Nothing breeds success better like failure is kind of what you're saying. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm cool. saying. Yeah. Um, you talked about goal setting. Do you yeah. have a process or practice for goal setting? How do you how do you do that? I think for me, it's just mental. I I want to wake up every day with the mindset like I'm going to get up today. I'm going to do my best. I may not be perfect. And me, trust me, I'm a huge perfectionist. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge perfectionist. But I just wake up and I'm like, okay, here are my goals for today. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to the gym for, doesn't have to be a whole hour. Maybe it's 20 minutes. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to cook this meal. Those are my goals for today. You kind of set it upon waking up. Yeah, upon waking okay, up. Okay, I have that. You focus. I'm focused. That's, I'm, that's the type of person I am. I'm okay. focused. I wake up. I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to get it and done. That, that serves you. And at the end of the day, if I don't get it all done, just remind yourself you're a human being. That's okay. There's always tomorrow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's that, that, that goal setting and balance with that mindfulness. Yeah. It's awareness. mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And when have you felt most engaged or disengaged in the curriculum or co-curriculum? I felt most engaged, I would say in first and second year, because I was just super focused. I was going to all my classes. I, didn't have any external problems, not much external problems going on in my life. That way I could, you know, focus all my time on school. Um, so I felt so engaged with all my classes and I'm the type of person, like if I have questions, I ask. That's how I am. I'm not shy, <laughs> as you probably can tell. I took advantage of the opportunity that on this campus, I can talk to my profs. So I made appointments with my profs. I asked them for extra help. I used to go to the writing center all the time and francophone staff helped me edit my, my work which really helped me be successful. So for me, um, I was super engaged in first and second year, third year when I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and a lot of sadness and um, questioning my own relationship and questioning everything. And just this period of sadness, that's when I felt most disengaged. But then now looking back at it, I realized like it makes sense because if I have something external of school, something going on in my personal life, that can really haunt somebody. I've been at my lowest that can that can really drag you down and prevent you from doing your best so first year, or your year, best changes your best changes yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um so when I was down in third year that's why I took that step so the counseling center was something that I took advantage of to help me get back up and then you felt re-engaged after doing some yeah. post that work yeah like personal and, work and definitely in second term winter semester I felt a lot more yeah. re-engaged right. And even today, I feel a lot better than I did in fall term. So it's interesting. So in a way, our student success is connected to our personal health, life. personal life, yeah. so many things. Yeah. Right? And it's, so. it's also connected to just being real. Mm -hmm. Just being real and being yourself and not trying to be fake, not putting on a persona, not comparing yourself to others. And that's what I tell my students as well, that um, student success, you're in competition with nobody but yourself. Right. That is something super important to remember. So I'm curious about the, you've, you've talked about a number of skills that you've learned or attributes you've gained throughout your experience at Glendon. We talked about saying, learning to say no, being true to yourself, yeah. uh, even, even self-advocacy, right? Yeah. Uh, but what other attributes or skills have you developed, specifically skills along the way? So skills that I've developed, I definitely think are more leadership. I feel more of a leader. I can take control, but at the same time, I can listen to other people's opinions and value their opinion and feedback. 
before, like, you know, when I was in high school, I'd be like, no, it's my way or no way. Like, I was, like, very in-your-face, like, very intimidating. I remember actually getting called to the principal's office. And then the principal, the vice principal was like, you know, um, it's, uh, it, you can be a bully or you can be the better person. So I've definitely toned down a lot of that anger that I've had, like, that angstiness that I've had in my teens. And I've grown from that. I've learned to listen to other people's opinions before attacking them. Mm. I've learned to listen to what they have to say. It's important to understand other people's opinions mm. and to, you may not agree with them, but it's good to hear them out. So that's one skill that I learned. I've definitely learned patience. Resilience is a huge one. And that one I've definitely learned in third year, um, thanks to the on-campus resources. Resilience, patience, um, not being as angsty, letting things go resentment like i could wake up every day and be like oh i don't have a mom i don't have a dad uh, i can't like i could wake up every day and complain about how much my life sucks but you know what being grateful gratitude that's one thing i learned this year actually um a couple months ago in our team meetings we do this activity where we talk about our gratitudes and it really makes you reflect on like even though you know i may not have the best family life i may not have a um a nice house over my head and a pool and I can't afford to go on vacation or whatever the case may be. I'm grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for, for my friends. I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my education. You know, a lot of people haven't made it this far. And there are a lot of other people in this world who you never know, they may have it worse. So gratitude, being grateful, resilience. Um, those are some life. I guess I want yeah. to talk about life skills that I've developed. And you can see that from me being a kid, me being a, teen angsty teen <laughs> to now me as an adult i feel a lot more mature right. and then from your job and your classes those are so those are life skills what about any professional skills so you talked about leadership anything yeah. else that you that stand out like top one or two skills that yeah you so i think for me um professional skills is definitely public speaking communication i'm, I'm really good at that <laughs> i'm gonna brag i I love teaching. I've taught a grade 11 core French class. I've taught grade three, four French immersion. I run a French homework club. It's been three years. I have a lot of experience working with adults, working with kids, working with adolescents. Um, I've also helped out in the Change Day Ontario initiative um, with York's nursing students. That's something I did as well. So I have a lot of teamwork, communication, collaboration, and leadership skills instilled in me. And I'm a go-getter. I like to be involved in and those are some some of the skills that I've developed and I've grown. Great. I'm going to ask you a couple uh, lightning round questions. Yeah. Personal questions. Yeah, yeah. Still within the theme. Go ahead. What happens to you when things get hard internally? When things get hard internally, I break down. Mm -hmm. I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. I'm, I may have the thick skin mm -hmm. on me, but, you know, it gets hard. I break down. Mm -hmm. I don't sleep. I toss and turn. And then I sleep until like one o'clock in the afternoon and then I've wasted half the day. That's so then, what happens. So then how do you recover from that? If uh, Or what's your process? What's my process? I definitely find that like just changing up your environment, just telling myself, get out of bed, get out of bed, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Some things I like to do. Um, so instead of taking the bus from the bus stop right outside my building, I walk like a block or two blocks just for like a stroll. That's something that I do. Um, it's really good for the mind. And I actually do that before all my exams because it gets your, apparently it's scientifically proven that it gets your brain going. Yeah. yeah. So I do that. Um, I do something for me. So I really like baking and cooking. So I'll make something. I don't care. I'll make cookies. <laughs> like no judgment. If 
I'm feeling down or stressed, I'll make a batch of cookies or I'll make brownies or something, try a new recipe I've been wanting to do. So I do something for myself and that slowly helps me get better. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, describe to me your ideal day. My ideal day. So waking up, having a homemade breakfast. So, um, yeah, having a homemade breakfast, I'll get back. There's a story I want to tell you about that after. Um, waking up, maybe going to the gym. If not, if I don't have time to go to the gym, that's fine because I've just slept an extra hour. That's okay. <laughs> Learn to accept that that's okay. Eating a breakfast, packing my snacks for the day, um, and then going to class, going to class, um, being productive, getting some homework done after class, meeting up with a friend for coffee, and then heading home and just unwinding, getting ready for the next day. So an ideal day for me is not wasting time. I'm one of those people where I count down to the minute to the second. Like It's kind of in your habit, right? It's in my habit, yeah. But I have to learn to like let go of that a bit because I find I'm very anal with time. Like I come down to like the minutes, right. like the last 30 seconds. If the bus pushes back by two minutes, I'll get so angry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, an ideal day to me is just being productive, but getting at least, you know, like 50 to 75% of my goals for the day done. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather be the best player on a horrible team or the worst player on a great team? I, it's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would rather be, you know what? I'd rather be the worst player on the best team. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Judge me as you, as yeah. you will. And I was never a sport person, so I'm not very athletic. I'm more artsy. So I'm um, growing up in like elementary school and grade nine gym. Like everyone would pick their teams and I'd be the last person. They would never pick me because they know I sucked at sports. Yeah. But there's value in a great team, you're saying, but, as opposed to being the best on the worst team? Yeah, there's value in a great team yeah. because me being the worst person, there's always room to learn. And as in, this is my teacher mm -hmm. talk right now, as an educator, you can never be 110% perfect. There's always room and space to learn. Yeah. So, you know, accept, okay, whatever. I may not be the best player on this team, but I'm going to learn from the other players. I'm going to adapt some of their habits, some of their mechanisms to be better. I was wondering what your angle would be on that question. And that totally yes. makes sense from the teaching angle. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whom in the world would you most, alive or, or, or past, uh, would you most like to share a meal with? If you could. Would I like to share a meal with? That's hard. <laughs> um, I think definitely... Um, that's hard because <laughs> there are like a lot of mentors that I've had in my life. Um, definitely, I think my significant other would definitely be because he's like super smart. He'll be happy to hear this podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, he's been through similar circumstances with me where like his mom died of ovarian cancer very young and his dad actually went back to Guyana. So he lives with his aunt too. Surprise, surprise. It's wow. so funny. <laughs> but that's one thing we connected on when we first met. We're like, oh, you live with your aunt too? Um, so, and he dealt with a very bad health issue. He had chronic pancreatitis. So like one thing he has to do every time he eats, he has to take an enzyme whenever he eats. And that's for the rest of his life. And he has to get checks, checkups on his pancreas. And this whole pancreas thing was totally random. We don't know how it happened. It just happened when he was 19. So that is something that is super scary to be in a hospital for two weeks to get an operation. And he, when he came out of the hospital, the pancreas duct was leaking and then he had to go back and it was super painful. So dealing with that pain, I say he is a much stronger and losing his mom and all that kind of stuff. 
he is a much stronger person than I am. He's been through a lot more than I have, and he's very mature. And with him, I go to advice for anything. He's like someone that I can go to for anything and everything. And because he's had so much experience with not only negative, I don't want to make it sound all negative. He has a lot of positive positivity in his life, but he has really taught me the the, the key um, components of being grateful, gratitude, and resilience. He's really helped me teach those two things. Teach me the, those two things. <laughs> and he's okay sharing that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, that, on the podcast? Yeah. Okay, great. It sounds like a good partnership. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you hope the next generation of students get right? Or so, campuses? Okay, so I have a bit to say about this. So first things first, stop staring at your phone 25-8. As a teacher, that drives me crazy. I will confisc confiscate your phone if I see you texting and on your Facebook during my class. I'm sorry if you don't like me, but like I said earlier, you, like I will not tolerate that. So one thing I think we need to get right is we need to have more in-person conversations. I, I don't want to sound like, you know, very traditional, but I find a lot of people are too connected to their phones and we're not really having conversations. And I have a friend who's like that, like she just posts every single day. When I go out with her, she can't even look me in the eye and have a conversation without looking at her phone. So that irritates me the hell out of me so please don't do that if you ever talk to me um also i feel what we need to get right is resilience we need to be more resilient we need to have more workshops on that maybe and mental health there's a huge stigma around mental health that um you're weak you're you know i can add so many different adjectives that people want to describe if you everyone has mental health and i am glad that it's something that's getting more talked about now i think we need to have more wellness resources we need to have um, just more activities, more workshops, more engagement, because there's so many like, and I kind of was inspired by um, th this whole wellness and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I have another example. Um, one of the singers, so I listened to Linkin Park, this rock band, and last year, Chester died of suicide. And it's like, I see, like, and I keep up with that kind of stuff because I really like their music. It resonates a lot with me. Hence the angstiness from the back in the day. But um, his wife actually now became an advocate and she started this 320 Change Direction um, campaign to raise awareness about like, you know, what are some signs of mental health? The five different signs of recognizing when someone's having an off day, you know, more conversations about suicide because you see all these celebrities, Kate Spade, Michael Bourdain, like I swear like every week I'm getting a Google, Google Chrome notification saying how some, a celebrity committed suicide. But these are celebrities, so obviously they're getting reported. Um, these are things that are getting reported and widely known. But did it really have to take us that long for people to now start talking about mental health? Why was it neglected all these years? And especially in university, that's a huge time when I've met a lot of people who are struggling, struggling, struggling with mental health, but they may smile in your face and you will never know their story. So I find it's important to have these resources in place for people who need help and for people who just even need someone to talk to because you could save a life like that and that's right that's something that we've been totally doing wrong all these years not just i just think every university needs more more awareness of this because university is stressful people are killing themselves they're working two or three jobs to pay for their tuition they're commuting so far they're working till two in the morning they're taking the bus they're taking a full-time course load they have personal commitments and everyone just seems, this society is too fast paced. Everyone seems to just be going, 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 going. No one really cares to, you know, ask you how you're feeling. No one cares to um, give you support. So I feel like as a university, we need to 
have more in place. And we are doing a good job now. We're getting there. But there's still room for, for improvement. There's still more work that can significantly change. We can change people's lives. We can save people's lives. And that's, I've been inspired by that from especially um, all these suicides that mm. I've been seeing. And you're working on a campaign now, as you, I, as you said earlier. Exactly. Uh, so as we close, yeah. is there any other message you want to share? Otherwise, I have two final questions. My message is be yourself. Don't be fake. Be yourself. Um, be proud of who you are. Like, do not let people drag you down. Do not let negativity bring you down. I know it's easy for me to say. It's easier said than done. But remember, you, you, it's up to you to create that successful experience for yourself. And university is a bit different. And I use this fun example to, with my students as well. Guidance counselors are not going to buzz you down from the office to, <laughs> to check on you. If you know you are struggling, if you know you need something, ask us. We're here to help. <laughs> Go find the right resource. If you have questions about finances, student financial services. If you are going through a rough time, go to the, to the counseling center. If you're um, unsure about your courses, go to academic services. Um, talk to your profs. Get to know people. Really, um, you have to just, my advice is just push yourself out of your comfort zone. And remember that you are a human being. Do not kill yourself. Do not burn yourself out. And you will be successful. And believe in your believe in yourself as well confidence is a huge thing those thank are some of my take-home messages thank you and that from comes, my rant <laughs> well hey it comes from your passion your experience your identities <laughs> yeah that you, that your identities that you shared yeah. uh, i've got two final questions for you yeah since we talked about gratitude what are you grateful for in this I'm moment i'm definitely grateful for this interview i'm so grateful when you sent me that email saying like i want a student podcast and when i asked you i'm like can i be honest can i be brutal can i talk about my my childhood my past my struggles and you said yes i'm grateful that i have this platform to share my life with other people because people look at me and they will never know they will never know i learned a whole bunch exactly see and then we've uh we've known each other for a while yes, <laughs> yes. see now it's like a lot of people like you never know what they're they've stories been people's stories you don't know people's stories. and and i hope that your story will i know your res i know your story will resonate with with some yeah. listeners and some students and, and help so yeah and thank you and definitely that's like there's no shame in asking for help well thanks austin it's been a pleasure yeah. and um we look forward to seeing what's next what is next sorry what is next okay so um yeah like i said this summer i'm just working um almost full-time with the office of student affairs i'm working part-time at the library I'm exercising. I'm going out here and there. I'm trying. I'm a foodie, so I like trying new places. And um, after undergrad, what's going to happen? For after you? undergrad, Maybe. so I have three years left. So next oh, year right. is the French finishing up my French degree, and then two years of ed and placements and volunteering. I'm going to continue with my homework help. Sorry, my homework club. I'm going to continue working for the Office of Student Affairs next year. And I'm going to continue volunteering with some teachers that I still keep in contact with from high school, from three years ago. I will be volunteering with them and just building my connections and hopefully land a teaching job when I graduate in 2021. Keep influencing plan. students in positive ways. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs>I hope you're feeling inspired and curious. Uh, thanks, Austin, for sharing the challenges, triumphs of balancing extra co-curricular commitments, part-time work, academic demands, making connections, and mental, physical health. Gratitude to all the interviews so far, interviewees so far, Galila, Nadia, Lise, and Austin. And to my friend, 
musician Jose Miguel for the music. And thank you as well for listening. You know, to all the listeners, I'd appreciate your comments, likes, and shares over social. My handle is at David Ip Yam. Until next time, everyone, keep striving.